kind of left you hanging last week. Someone left last Sabbath and says, you pastors always do that. Get us right to a point where we're really excited and then you stop and say continued next week. But we were trying to establish a uh, good part of the who, what, when, where, and why. And we discovered the who is actually Jesus. We were talking about him. The what is the second coming of Christ, which I believe is very soon. And so do a lot of other people as well, too. But we're focusing on the second coming of Jesus because Jesus says that we are to watch and to be ready. That means that we need to watch right now and to make provision to be ready for the second coming of Christ. Because if we don't, it's going to come like a thief to us. It's going to come on to us unexpectedly. And so we need to be ready now uh, in case if he comes tonight or if he decides to come ten years from now. We still need to be ready today. Is that right? The when, we know is soon. He doesn't tell us the day or the hour of when he's going to come. Only the Father knows. The angels don't know. But uh, all we know is that the signs are rapidly coming in quick succession and that it seems to be that it's going to be soon. Where is he coming? He's coming to this earth. That's good. That's the good news because he's coming to take us home. Why is he coming? To save the righteous. And that's what we're looking at is the righteous to be ready when Jesus comes. So we've established that, but we didn't answer one question, which I said was very important, which a lot of people, especially in the Old Testament, didn't answer when Jesus came the first time, was how was he going to come? Because when Jesus arrived in Bethlehem as a baby, when he was there in the manger, When the shepherds were around, you notice there wasn't anyone else that came around and worshipped him that came because they didn't know how he was going to come. They didn't really look at the scriptures. They didn't understand what was taking place. And they missed out on the great event, the great blessing that was there. And so it was a shepherd and a few sheep and the wise men that came from a different country. They came in on that blessing. So we need to look at the how. By not focusing on the question of how Jesus was to come the first time and why they missed out. Also, when the disciples, Jesus kept telling them that he was going to go into Jerusalem, he was going to have to die, and they just didn't want to hear that part of it. They wanted to block that out uh, because that wasn't in their plans. They didn't want Jesus to die. They wanted him to overthrow the Roman government. And so they didn't want to listen to how the plan was to be carried out. So we need to look now at uh, the second coming and and the how because Satan is going to create a false second coming of Christ if at all possible to be able to fool whom? The very elect. You know who that is? That's us. Satan is so clever at his deceptions that even the very elect can be fooled. That's why we've got to be ready. That's why Jesus says to watch and to be ready so that we won't get into that, that situation, uh, so that we won't uh, under, uh, uh, think that something is going to happen when in the Bible it says something totally different. So we establish that there will be 
Also six elements in the second coming of Christ. Do you remember those? The six elements is that it's going to be visible, it's going to be literal, it's going to be powerful, audible, inevitable, and hopefully for us, joyful. Do you know there are some people even in our own church that worry about the second coming of Christ? And they, and they almost think that it's doom and gloom. It should be joyful. We'll get into that. But uh, this is what we've got to look at. If we miss one or more of these elements, we are setting ourselves up for the destruction that is to come. We're setting ourselves up for satanic deception. So we've got to understand these elements. So let's jump right in. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And look what it says. Every eye will see him. And they also who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Every eye is going to see him. When it says every eye is going to see him, what does that mean? That means we're talking about everyone who is alive on this earth. And it also seems to be saying that there's going to be this special resurrection that's going to take place of those who drove the nails into the body of Jesus. And they're going to see him and it's going to be visible. If every eye is going to see him, it's not going to be coming secretly. It's going to be something that we're going to see. It's visible. It's there. Let's look at another passage. The resurrected Jesus was, was, was talking to his disciples for the last time, and they asked him a question. They says, Therefore, when the disciples, when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, that's Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, these are the men who were following Jesus around day after day after day, and they heard him say over and over again, now he died on the cross, and then he was resurrected, and they're standing there, and they're saying, okay, Lord, are you going to overthrow the Roman government, or are you going to set up your kingdom right now? Kind of slow to, to understand and slow to learn, aren't they? But if they're slow to learn after being with Jesus day after day, what do you think sometimes we are? We're a little slow ourselves. So they're still thinking he's going to overthrow the government and that he's going to set up his kingdom right then. And they're, and they're so slow to learn what Jesus has been telling them all along. This tells me it's easy for us to misinterpret the Scriptures. That's why we've got to watch and be ready. Now look what Jesus says. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now when he, that's Jesus, had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. These men watched Jesus go up into the air. And the angel said that Jesus would come back in the same way that they saw him go up. They could see him as he was going up in the air. Imagine their, their mouths just dropped down to the ground. Never seen anything like this before. And there he goes and they're looking, speechless. Had never seen anything like it before. He didn't have a jet pack on his back. He was going up without any other aid and they're standing there and they're looking at and then the angel says that that same Jesus is going to come back the same way. He became, He's visible where all the eyes are going to see it and it's going to be literal. They literally saw him go up in the air and they're literally going to see him come back. It's not going to be a secret. It's not going to be hidden. It's, the eye is going to see him and it's going to be the literal Jesus coming in body form just as they saw him go up. He's going to come back. Now, I don't think an angel would lie, would you? At least not the good angels. But they, they knew something and they're trying to tell us something. Because remember, Satan is going to try to deceive us on either one or all of these elements that are here. It's visible and it's literal. Now, Jesus' coming will also be powerful. Luke chapter 9 and verse 26, the last part says, He, that's Jesus, comes in his own glory and in his Father's and the holy angels. Jesus is going to come. We're going to see him. It's going to be literal. We're going to see him come in his own glory, but not only his glory, but we're going to see the Father in his glory and the holy angels in their glory. Have you ever stopped to think about that? As they're coming in their great, great glory, do you know what happens to soldiers when one angel appears in his glory? Matthew 28, verses 2 through 4. Behold, there was a great earthquake. You know what happens when an angel comes? One angel? Earth shakes. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone that was on the tomb from the door and sat on it. His countenance, that's his glory, was like lightning. And his clothing was as white as snow and the guards that were there to, to guard that tomb so no one could get in and no one could get out, the guards shook for fear of him and became like what? Dead men. One angel in his glory and human beings fall over like dead men. Jesus coming is really something. Take a look at Matthew 24 and verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Can you imagine that? Jesus is going to come in great power and great glory, and so is His Father, and so is all the millions and millions of angels 
all going to come. You know what that tells me? That tells me this event is going to be very powerful. It's going to be visible. It's a literal coming. It's not secret. And it's very powerful. Wow. Now take a look. This next verse, Matthew 25 and verse th- or 24, verse 31. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. When I was in grade school, I took trumpet lessons. When I practice, our dog would sit in the living room and howl because it hurt her ears. I didn't know it until later that my mom would go as far to the back corner of the house because the trumpet hurt her ears too, along with the dog howling. A trumpet is not a quiet instrument. And it says here he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. You know what my dad used to say? My dad says, you blow that thing so loud it's going to wake the the dead. (laughs) Yeah, right. But God's angel is going to wake the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed that trumpet's going to be a loud trumpet to wake up the dead let me tell you first thessalonians 4:16 for the lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of god and the dead in christ will rise first You know, I think that voice of the archangel is not going to be a quiet voice. I think it's going to be loud. And that trumpet's going to be loud. And it's going to be bright as we see the coming, because they're coming in all their glory. And it's going to be great and powerful. And it's going to be literal. And we're all going to see it. It's very audible. Very audible. That sound. And the Bible also teaches us that it's going to be inevitable. John 14, verse 3. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says, I will come again. It's inevitable. If Jesus says he's going to do something, guess what? He's going to do it. So he's going to come himself. It's inevitable. Jesus is ready to come. It is going to be visible. It's going to be every eye is going to see him. It's literal. He's going to come in a body form just like he went up. It's going to be powerful with the Father and with all the angels. It's going to have the shout of the archangel and the trumpet of God. It's going to be audible and it's inevitable. It will happen. Just the way He said it will happen. No other way. But there are people who still don't believe it will happen this way. Some in our own denomination are questioning 
not only the literal second coming of Jesus, but they question things like the Sabbath and what happens when a person dies and the sanctuary service in heaven, the investigative judgment and the spirit of prophecy. They're beginning to doubt everything that we've ever gotten from the Bible. And so we've got to see these elements. And we've got to realize that when Jesus says it's going to happen this way, it's going to happen. Now Jesus tells His people to watch, therefore, and be ready. He tells us that because many of our children are watching television and getting a concept of the second coming from the television or from movies or from religious books that have no basis, no biblical truth in it whatsoever. Let me give you an example for television. Do you know that the commercial, the people who put on the commercials, they know that if they show you a commercial long enough, it's going to stick right up here. So that when you go into the, the store and you see that product there, even though there's 30 other products on the shelf just like it, that commercial is going to ring in your head and you're going to pick that product. They know that. They know that it's going to be automatic. The devil knows that if he can bombard our children with a concept different than what the Bible has to say because he knows that we're getting lazy and we're not reading anymore and we're not uh, memorizing Bible scriptures anymore. And if you can go to the Sabbath school classes, your Sabbath school teacher will tell you that many of the children that are coming in here have no idea about these basic Bible stories like Noah and the Ark, they don't know unless if they've seen it on television or they've watched it in a movie or they've seen it in a comic book or some other book. They have no concept of what it's like. It is grounding them for a deception. And so we've got to watch. Therefore, that's what Jesus says, because we may be setting our children up for not being ready when Jesus comes. Boy, it's quiet in here. The Left Behind book. If you go into the library, it will be found in the fiction section of the library. Did you know that? The Left Behind series written by Tim LaHaye, who's there on your left, and Jerry Jenkins on the right, wrote a series of books. Maybe some of you have read it. A movie has gone out. It's talking about a thing called the secret rapture. Do you know before they came out with this, there were some churches that taught the secret rapture, but it was not widespread. But when this came out, you could go any place and someone was reading one of those books. You can go to the airport, they'd be on the plane, they would be reading this book. And it's basing their concept of the idea that Jesus is going to come secretly. No one's going to see him. 
People are going to be taken away. If you're riding in a plane and the pilot is taken off. I had a friend of mine that was afraid to go on a plane because he was afraid that the pilot would be raptured. He knew he wouldn't be raptured because of his lifestyle. And that he was going to go down in the plane. And it frightened him. And so they're going to be secretly raptured away. Then all that is left, that during a thousand year period of time, the Antichrist is going to come. And when the Antichrist comes, then you've got a second chance to be able to change your mind and to fight against the Antichrist and what all he's doing so that when a third coming of Jesus comes, then you could be taken to heaven as well too. There's no biblical basis for this. We've just seen that every eye is going to see him. It's not a secret. He's going to come in body form. We saw that it's literal. That he's going to come down in the same way he went up with the body. It's not going to be secret because we're going to hear it. He's going to come in great power. All these things are there. But this book and this series of books, by the way, was the number one series of books being sold in the world Forever. And people are basing their theology not on thus saith the Lord, but thus saith the book or the movie. Let me tell you that you can pick up all this stuff on the internet or in the movies or in the bookstores or anything else and you can go into a religious bookstore and the kids could go up and say, I want to read this book because our friends are reading it. And they'll read that book and it's not based on the Bible or the facts of the Bible. So what are they setting up? The Christian world is being set up for the greatest deception by the devil when he comes to try to impersonate the second coming of Jesus. Do you see why we have to take a look at this? Because we're talking about maybe even our own children and our own grandchildren being set up by what they see and what they hear and being fooled and thinking that Jesus is going to come in one way and he comes totally different. We need to watch and to be ready, therefore, for what's taking place. Left behind books and movies... They talk about the secret rapture, and we've discovered that there's nothing secret about it. But we've got to look at this because the devil is going to try to fool us and try to get us into this type of a thing. So the question is, again, how? We've got to look at the how of the Bible. Jesus teaches that you want to be left behind. Whoa. The book says any of those who are left behind is not going to heaven. But Jesus says that you want to be left behind. What do I mean by that? Matthew 13, 24 to 30. Jesus is giving a parable. He put forth to them, his disciples, says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. 
The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and to gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares first. And bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. If they gather the tares first, what's left behind? The wheat, the good wheat. Okay? So the gathering first is the tares. Okay? Matthew 13, 36-39. His disciples came to him. The disciples heard this. And they wanted to ask an important question. They said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered, he said to him, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the... Who's the son of man, by the way? Okay. The world, then, the, the, the ground is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. That's God's people. But the tares are the sons of who? The wicked one. In case you don't know who it is, he says the enemy has sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. What's that? The second coming of Christ. And the reapers are whom? The angels don't come until Jesus comes. That's what we just read. Okay, so we're talking about the second coming of Christ. All right? Notice, at the same time the wicked are gathered and bound is the same time that the righteous are gathered. It's not two different events. They didn't come and pull out the weeds first because Jesus said in that parable to keep the weeds there until the time of the harvest. Then you come in and you take the weeds. It's the same event. It's the harvest. That's when you get it all out. That's when you get rid of the weeds. Look at Matthew 24, 36 to 42. But of that day, what day are we talking about? Second coming of Jesus. That day and hour, no one knows, no, not even, the father, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. There's nothing wrong with that. They were just going on with their everyday life. Until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. Took who all away? So also will the coming of Son of Man be. Then two men, now look, in the same context, he says it's going to happen. Then he says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore... For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. We've got to watch, we've got to be ready ahead of time. Because if we're not ready ahead of time, when he finally comes, he says it's going to be like these, these men working out in the field and one's going to be snatched away and the other one's going to be left behind. But in the context of this, 
Who is it that's being snatched away? The good person or the wicked? It's the wicked that's being snatched away. It's the good person that's being left behind. Let's continue on. Genesis 7. Now he, he compares it with Noah. So let's go back to Noah's day. Genesis 7, verses 21 through 23. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Now wait a minute. All flesh died. Who's it referring to? The wicked died. Because Noah and his family are inside the ark and they're saved. Okay, so it's talking about the wicked. All flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the Spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth, only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. See the word alive? It's not in the, in the Hebrew. Here's what it reads in the Hebrew. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained. Or left behind. Continue on. Luke 17. Here's Jesus. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 34. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. I'm not going to ask why two men are in one bed. The one will be taken... And the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Based on what we've learned from the Bible, would you want to be taken or would you want to be left behind? I want to be left behind. Because those that are taken are the ones that are going to be destroyed. In Noah's day, he was the one that was left. He was the one that was left behind. He's the one that remained. He was the one that was saved. In the, in the wheats and the tares, it's the, it's the ones that are the weeds that are bound up and, and put into the fire that are taken first. It is the, the grain that is left behind that is gathered together in the harvest that is kept because it is good. Jesus says we need to know these things. Because what's being presented on the screen, what's being presented in the books, what's being presented on the television is the deception of the devil that says, no, it's the other way around. You don't want to be left behind. You want to be taken secretly first up into heaven. And all that's left is your nicely folded clothes down here on the ground. Guess they don't want your clothes. For brothers and sisters, that is the devil's tool to fool you, to fool your kids, to fool your grandkids, to fool entire churches. For a great deception that the devil is planning to do himself at a second coming that will not be the way that Jesus said it was going to be. Important question. 
the disciples wanted to know when he was talking about that they were going to be taken. The disciples says, where? Where are they going to be taken? Luke 17, 37. They answered and they said to him, where, Lord? So he said to them, wherever the body is. Now the context is the second coming. Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now that seems strange. Doesn't seem like it fits in the context. Where are they going to be taken, Lord? One's, one's there and then he's going to be taken away and the other one's going to remain. Where are they taken to? And he says the body is there and the eagles are going to gather together. What does that mean? Why would the eagles be there? To eat the flesh of the dead bodies. How do I know that? Revelation 19, 11, 17, and 18. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. He that sat upon the horse was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great Lord that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and, and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free, slave, both small and great. Where are you taking them, Lord? Where are you taking the, the tares? They're going to drop as dead men in the brightness of the coming of Jesus and the Father and the holy angels. They're going to call for the rocks to fall on them and hide us from the glory of the one that is coming. They can't stand to be able to see it and they will die. Matthew 13, verse 30. Let both grow together. Until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Matthew thirteen forty-seven to 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good, that's the good fish, into the vessels, but they threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the devil says, now you've got a second chance. If for some reason you see yourself on the other side, it's okay, you've got another chance, man. Don't sweat the small stuff. You've got a thousand years to play around and have fun. Then you know at the end of the thousand years you've got to get yourself ready. And, and then Jesus is going to come and he's going to take you to heaven. So you don't have anything to worry about. Jesus says, oh no, you're going to die. If the wicked are gathered first, who's left behind? I want to be left behind, don't you? I want to be left behind. We're coming to these six elements, but I left one out. Joyful. Doesn't sound very joyful when you've got dead bodies laying all over the place and birds coming in and picking at them. Isaiah 25, 9. And it will be said in that day, that's the second coming, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him 
and He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. It's a joyful time, the second coming of Jesus. But i got to watch and be ready right now, as if Jesus was going to come today. I've got to know how He's going to come. I've got to teach my children how He's going to come. I've got to teach my grandchildren how He's going to come, because if I don't, Satan's going to set them up for the biggest deception that they've ever seen in their lives, and they're going to turn to you and they're going to say, Mom, Dad... Grandma, Grandpa, why didn't you tell us? We're going to have friends and relatives that are going to come and say, you knew this was going to happen and you didn't tell us? Now there are going to be some that are going to hear, but they're not going to believe it. There's nothing to do on that. But if we haven't told our kids, if we haven't told our grandkids, if we haven't said anything to our friends and to our relatives because we're afraid we're going to offend them, They're going to say, why didn't you say something? Well, that's not going to be a happy part of the equation if I'm not doing my part. Because I'm supposed to go out into the world and to share to every tribe, nation, tongue, language, people the everlasting gospel. And this is part of the gospel. They can either be rejoicing, they have a choice, either be rejoicing or be on the other side, but that's their choice. But I don't want to be the one that leaves something out. Do you? The coming of Jesus is soon. Every eye is going to see him. It's going to be great power. He's literally going to come. He will come. We're going to hear it. We're going to feel the earth shaking. It's not going to be a secret at all. It's going to be a very joyful event. But we've got to be ready or the devil's going to fool us. I'm just a pilgrim here on this world. I'm a stranger. Because my home is in heaven. And that's where I'm going to. I want to know everything that I can about that home in heaven. And I want to be ready when he comes. Take your hymnal if you're ready and sing hymn number 444. Hymn number 444. Shall we stand as we sing together? 444. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger, I can tarry, I can tarry but a night, do not detain me, for I am going to where the fountains forever flowing, I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger.
Father, we're a pilgrim on a journey, journey to the heavenly kingdom, but the devil knows and he wants to disrupt that journey. He wants to make me think that I'm following you, when in reality, if I don't get back to the word, I'm not following you, but following his deceptions. But it's my choice, just like in the Garden of Eden. I can either choose the words of the devil, or I can choose the words of God. One will save me, one will send me to death. It is my choice now, Lord. As for me and my family, we're going to choose the Lord and to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen.